Ladies and gentlemen, it is my honor and pleasure to introduce our guest today. He has traveled all over the world for the last 32 years as a professional wrestler. He is a former WWE superstar and the owner of the Gangrel Wrestling Asylum in Dania Beach, Florida. Please welcome Gangrel. What's going on, man? Everybody's banging and banging. You got your horns up, you're giving horns, taking horns. What's going on, world? <laughs> First off, I want to thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to come and chop it up with me. I know you're busy, you know, with the gym and your school and the booking. So really, I really want to thank you for doing that. How are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing good, man. Uh, just like you said, super, super busy, which is blessed. Uh, with I got the school here, uh, training facility. So I'm running classes all week long. Now, now, now I'm back on the road again. So I'm back to banging and banging on the road wrestling-wise and stuff like that. So it's so very blessed, very, very cool, very, very happy vampire. <laughs> Things are starting to open up. I see a lot of more wrestling shows uh, starting to run now. Um, I hope they're all, you know, taking the right precautions to ensure everyone's safety. A lot of the things I'm doing are like, uh, I notice signings are coming back. So they're doing virtual signings. So they bring you into a venue, but there's nobody in the venue, but they set up all these live cameras. So virtual the signings are making a comeback but they're like virtual signings so some of these things are virtual signings that's where we are right now i guess that's the that's the safest way to do it the safest way yeah <laughs> so what's going on man as i mentioned you run your own wrestling school in dania beach florida the gangrel wrestling asylum tell us how that came about what made you want to start training your own students Okay, well, I've, at some point or another, I've always been involved with some type of wrestling school. So I was trained by Boris Malenko. And then uh, from Boris Malenko, I went on to Stanford and trained in the dungeon. So when I came back from there, I ended up running, uh, uh, I went to Alpha to go train, or the Wild Samoans, you know, Alpha, uh, and Hawaii, uh, the Wild Samoans. So I went to go to his school to train. This was in, um, so I started in 87. So I trained, I was in the dungeon in like 89, and I went to all Japan. So then I came back, it was like early, uh, uh, I already been to Tennessee, Puerto Rico. So it was like 94, I was going to go train with Alpha some, and then um, I was going to train, but I ended up running the school. So I ended up running it. So I was like, oh, I, I kind of dig this. Then I moved back home to Florida, because I was in Pennsylvania. Then I moved back to Florida, and then I started training for uh, Dean Malenko, the son of Boris. Boris Malenko trained me. So I started running Dean School, and, and I liked it. So then when I moved out to California, I opened up my own school with Rikishi and his cousin Reno in Hawaii and more Samoans. And uh, called Knox Pro, and then out there is the school where we trained. Uh, like Rusev is probably one of the better known ones I trained there. Rusev, uh, Vanessa Bourne, and NXT. So I trained him. So uh, as the California lifestyle started burning me out a little bit too much, fang and a bang and a rock and rolling out there, I hightailed uh, it back home. To, I seen my my mess of a life up here in South Florida, where I'm from, from born and raised, right here in Hollywood, Daniel Beach. It's all right here, in the same area, it's kind of like Jamaica Queens, Queens. <laughs> um, so. It was right there, so uh, I, I came back home, and, and um, a lot of people were telling me, uh, you know, wrestling so bad. When I was in California, they were like, it's so bad in Florida. And I, mean, I was very pr proud of the wrestling. It was like everybody is from, like, the tri-state New York area. There's great schools there. So, like, you can't be that, that bad. But then when I came back home, they weren't being trained right. In South Florida, particularly, it was really, really bad. So uh, just kind of um, instead of just whining and, and complaining about it, I, I decided to put my uh, money where my mouth is and, invested in opening the training facility and uh, we're going on our third year here now um and uh, so that's what i'm doing and training and just trying to get back but i owe wrestling everything if it wasn't for professional wrestling i'd, I'd be in prison or dead i mean either either it, you know flip, it was a, it'd be a flip of a coin or it'd be some i have professional wrestling everything it owes me nothing so uh, if i can get back to wrestling by uh training 
young talent and, and giving them a fighting chance at being decent and at least having a foundation. And then, then you know, I'm, I'm proud to do it. It's great to see veterans giving back to the business and passing on their knowledge to the next crop. I mean, guys like you, uh, Amazing Red, Joel Maximo, the Dudleys. I mean, you know, that's I think that's the most selfless thing you can do is instead of me holding on to this and screw the next generation, you guys are actually here to help guys like me, you know, and without you guys like me wouldn't have the shot. Are there any students of yours that you currently feel are ready to start being seen by bigger companies such as Impact, AEW, or WWE? Yeah, I had a, I had a I had a set of twins here, uh, but the, the both unfortunately one has a kidney. They were twin twin girls, and uh, uh, they're not they're only eighteen now. Uh, I they I believe they could go anywhere they wanted at any time. They're from Colombia. Um, I have another guy from uh, Haiti here. Uh, he's French Creole, speaks three languages. He's a beast of a dude, 250, a monster. Uh, I think in the next two years, he's going to be as common as Charmin as a household name. You know, <laughs> he's going to, he's, I got a, uh, another kid here named Damien Finrear, who was, uh, I don't know if you know much about baseball, but his uncle was Dennis Martinez. He pitched a perfect game for the Orioles, I think, against the Dodgers. From, he's a Costa Rican. Uh, he's just, a, <laughs> he's an incredible, incredible. Uh, look, uh, super talented, and I uh, and then I have a couple. I got Ana Diaz, who's, uh, who's one of my trainers here now, and and another one, Ruthie J, another French Creole girl. I got I have a few that are on the threshold. Uh, that really, I think if it wouldn't have been for the COVID in the 2020, they would have popped up somewhere. But but it's, it might be good for them too because it gives them another uh, kept them in the school a little bit here while I was quiet and work on training. We had to close for a while. Uh, but then once uh, some of the restrictions loosened up, we were able to get back open. So, uh, yeah, I, I have a few. I have at least five, I think, that I believe in my heart will uh, pop up somewhere. And that's a good ratio in the school, too. That's a really good ratio. <laughs> it is, man. It is. It's very rare that you have one person, let alone five people, you know. Pro wrestling has certainly evolved since you debuted. Uh, what are your thoughts on the current state of pro wrestling? Well, I, I, I'm struggling with the current state with the COVID and stuff, I'm struggling with cinema, cinematography, whatever. I like to say cinema. I'm a live event guy and I really appreciate uh, wrestling. Uh, to be a live event, the feel, the action, reaction off the crowd, that, that personal where you can come out and connect with them. So like the COVID's really got me lost out. But prior to that, um, it, 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 it had changed a lot. Too. It was a little bit hard for me. Uh, even even the attitude there, to be honest, even though I was part of the attitude there, which people considered like, some people considered to be like a really great era. I was the uh, 80s, 90s guy. I like the storytelling. I like the. I like to know who the bad guy. I wanted to know that's the guy I don't like, or that's the guy I love. One or the other. I really like the storytelling about it. I really like to know my villain clearly. Nowadays, it's kind of confusing. Some people say, "Well, situational. Let the people choose." You know, it's like a Marvel comic. You know, sometimes you know the bad guy's doing something. Uh, you know, to the hat. You know, it's confusing to me. I, I'm a. I'm a. I'm a good versus evil kind of guy. Cut and dry, but. As things evolve, we all do. I mean, uh, they say wrestling evolves, but it's really still professional wrestling. What do you want to do in a match? You want to pin somebody's shoulders to the map or one, two, three. You want to win. So it's still wrestling. But, but, but uh, you know, the size of the people changed, you know, and, you know, uh, but that, it's okay. I think a lot of that, if you want to really come down, be honest to it, I think, you know, it, it's come down to like uh, all of the big guys and the things. It came down to a lot of the drug testing and stuff like that. So monsters just couldn't be monsters without some help you know <laughs> like, you know so so it slowly transitioned over but now now it's um you know these kids it's a generational thing too maybe because they all watch like uh 
John Wick's and Mortal Kombat's and, and this and that, and they're all, they can all do these crazy video games with all these kicks and stuff like that and flips, so. I was a 90s kid, you know, I grew up in the 90s. I was born in 1990. I grew up watching, you know, uh, the Rey Mysterios. I grew up watching the Rob Van Dam. So, you know, that's kind of like, to me, like, that's what excited me. Shawn Michaels, uh, you know, that excited. I, I wasn't around for really the Ric Flair. I love spot monkey wrestling. Uh, don't don't get me wrong. I, I I love some Ray Mysterio, and I also love Amazing Red. He's one of my favorites. I watched him coming up as a baby, coming through there, and 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 he as he grew his wings and, and spread and flew. You know, Red was one of my favorites. Amazing Red. <laughs> Guys like that, uh, you know, we kind of get this bad rep of you know, oh, you're you're not using psychology. You know, you're not doing this. You're just a spot monkey. You're just doing moves. But what, the, what like those older guys don't understand is this is what we grew up on. This is what we know. This is what excited us. So that's what we're going to emulate, you know? If they ever stop to think about it, what, you know, when I teach, when I'm, when I'm teaching in my, my training facility, I don't, when I, at the very beginning, I'll teach the good versus evil. It's just so they can understand, okay, you know, if you're a bad guy, you did this. Just so they can understand toy storytelling. But then, as it evolves, I go, there is no real. It's two characters, okay? It's you getting this character over without burying this character, and this character getting this character over without hurting his character. Now let's see what kind of match you're going to come up with. So which turns into a lot of, if you watch my matches, I'm guilty of everything. The only time you see me grab a rest hold in the attitude there is if somebody got busted open and you thought they were hurt. You go, you all right? <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> you know what I mean? Scoots and whips and reversals, I see. <laughs> the attitude era, a lot of people consider that like one of the best eras. And honestly, I, I could sit back, I watch the WWE Network like that shit's always on my TV. Um, I go back and I watch and I have to say, from an actual in-ring standpoint, I don't see it, but I can see the popularity. It was the angles, it was the stories, it was the characters, is that what made Attitude Era what it was. It was the attitude, you know? But if you watch the actual in-ring stuff, a lot of it really, like if you compare it to today, it's really not on the same level. Well, in the Attitude Era, everybody had a story. Every every loss on shotgun meant something. Every win or loss on Sunday Night Heat meant something. Everything meant something as you worked to Raw up to the pay per view that you know that that whatever pay per view was coming up. So every win and loss meant something. Everybody had a storyline, so everybody was relevant. Where so everybody could uh, relate to somebody. You always find somebody that you related to or you like. So it drew people in. So it covered all bases. They had big guys, small guys. Yeah, they had every every flavor there was. <laughs> I'll tell you, one of my favorite guys from the Attitude Era, and I feel he was very underrated, Takamichinoku, man. I used to love watching that. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I loved wrestling him. Uh, uh, it was one of those TV, it was a TV match where you see that. I kick him in the back of the head accidentally because he's so short. I, I, I missed you kick, and he drops down the rope. Boom, boom. He was stunned for a minute, and you see him literally come back, and he starts fighting me, and then he realizes where he is. I'm like, I'm sorry. What <laughs> up? Taco man, he was great to wrestle. I loved wrestling him. He was, he was tremendous. Now, I would say you are most known for your time in WWE as part of the Brood faction during the late 90s. But you were using the vampire gimmick long before that. The movie The Lost Boys was a huge hit in the 80s. Was that an influence on your character? 100%. It was 100% the influence on the character. Well, Sigma Luna, uh, rest in peace, is 10 years this, this month, August. I she's passed away, August 27th. Uh, this was with Luna. We were having what they call like an old baloney blowout. With the Sunday thing, got a couple of bottles of wine. We're sitting around eating a bunch of baloney, sausage, cheese, whatever kind of junk food you crave that day, watching movies. And she goes, uh, 
She used to be married to a fellow named Dick Slater. Everybody knows Dick Slater, right? And uh, uh, Dirty Dick Slater. So she goes, Dick, Dick, you turned me on to this uh, movie, The Lost Boys. Want to check it out? So I uh, watched the movie with her, and I was like, wow. I was like, would it be great to, to wrestle as a vampire? And I was kind of joking, but I dug the movie enough, and, I, and the whole group, I, I was thinking the whole fashion, because I was a free bird guy, right? So uh, she goes, yeah, that'd be awesome. I go, no, 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 you can never get away with it, because long like you are talking about the training facility earlier and, and training and stuff, they didn't, nobody helped you. <laughs> like, they didn't smarten you up on anything, this and that. So let alone... You can go in there and say, like, I, I want a job and be a vampire. <laughs> like, it's it ridiculous. You're going to get beat up. <laughs> you know? And I'm like, no, you can't do that. Said, yeah, yeah, you can do it. You can do anything you want. I heard a little boy. So I'm like, okay, okay. He's talking into it. But uh, so, you know, so it was there. It was in my head. And and ironically enough, that week, I, I was still working. Uh, so I had been to Japan tours. So I was in between. So I was working. Uh, my, my uncle had a landscape company, and I was helping him. I was working on uh, doing some kind of whatever he was. Where were we working? This guy comes out of the apartment. He's, he's a weird dude. He had his toenails were painted. He was a bald guy with a crazy-looking beard. And he, he came up to me. Hey, man, you look like you could be a wrestler. And I go, yeah, I wrestle. And, you know, you pipe up. Somebody thinks you're a wrestler, you know. And um, he's like, uh, yeah, well, what's your, what's your character? And I go, uh, a vampire. And he goes, great. You got any pictures? And I'm like, uh, yeah. I had no pictures. I had nothing. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. He goes, hey, man, if you can give me some pictures and bring them to me tomorrow, I'll send them up. To, I'm going to Puerto Rico. It turns out he worked for the Puerto Rico office, and they were just getting ready to open opposite of Carlos Colon after the unfortunate Brody stuff. So they were going to get the office the IWA, which was AWF that turned into IWA that ran opposite of Carlos Colon in Puerto Rico. So I run home. I go, well, I, I got to get pictures. So ended up taking, uh, you know what lead press on nails are? So I would size them up to my, to my canine. So I clip them and then paint them the color of my teeth and then super glue it on. I spiked my mohawk. I had like a mohawk, like a mullet, a skullet kind of, a skullet kind of thing. I spiked it up. I put eyeliner on. I painted eyebrows. I put a cape on. took a picture. I bring it to him the next day. He goes, perfect. What's your name? I went, uh, Lestat. I couldn't think of a name. So interview with a vampire rung out. So I said, Lestat. So it was, it, that was an influence, too. So I said, Lestat. He goes, Lestat the vampire? I go, ah, Lestat. So it, 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 ironically, he told me that when I, my height and weight was wrong. He goes, you know the picture? He goes, I go, yeah. It, it gets a lie about my height. He has me put like six, six, uh, four or something, six, three and a half. My weight was like, I was like 220 or something like that. He had me to put like 260, some ridiculous weight and all that. So he had me lie on my staff. So I was terrified sending this to Puerto Rico. So they, sure enough, they call and book me to come down to Puerto Rico. They go, hey, we got the big show. We're, you know, we're, we're starting off. And I go down there and it was Savio Vega, TNT. You know Quang, Savio? The Puerto Rico? Yeah. So, He's like the office guy. So I, I do the match and everything. It, it was crazy. And then they, they, they want to see you in the office on a, uh, it was a Sunday. And I was flying out on Monday or, or maybe it was the Monday. Whatever it was. They wanted me to come to the office. I had an extra day there. So I go in there and he's got my picture. And he goes, so, uh, six, four, huh? And I'm like, oh, the mohawk. Because I was standing the hair up. It was really tall. And he, he goes, mm what, you have uh, AIDS or something? Uh, says, says 260 or whatever the weight was. I go, no, I'm dying, I'm dying. And he just laughed and says, you want a job? So, so there, they, they hired hired me as Lestat the Vampire. And then there was a Pierre Martel from G. Martin came along. He took the book over Puerto Rico. Then it evolved. He says, 
what is this that's that? You're, you're a warrior. You're a vampire. You're a vampire warrior. So then it became the vampire warrior. So that was down in Puerto Rico, 91 and stuff. Then I ended up going to Japan as that. Then 93, I ended up in Memphis uh, with USWA as the Vampire Warrior, which later, by 98, then evolved to Gangrel. Ah, interesting, interesting. I didn't, I didn't know. Like I kind of looked up a lot of information on, on you. I didn't know all that, though. Some I've always wondered. Like, I've always thought the fangs were cool. <laughs> are those real? Like, are those a shoot or are those gimmick teeth? Well, at first... They were the lead press on the house. So I did that for years, all the way up to around, uh, to a time I was about, right after Memphis in 93, like 94, uh, 94, 95, 96, they were actually bonded permanent. And then uh, Vince, I was uh, doing some stuff as the Black Phantom in, in WWF, as doing jobs as the Black Phantom. One of them, I was originally a character for the Black Arts before I was the vampire thing. So, so I did that same character, just called it the Black Phantom. And because... Uh, they would let me wear the mask because I had fangs and they thought it was crazy, you know. They go, let him wear the mask. So, you know, I was the only masked job guy at WWF at the time because they just didn't want to have the fangs, but they would use me. So, uh, then Vince came up to me, like, man, and he goes, hey, um, you know, I'm never going to use this vampire thing. Get rid of those fangs. Get your normal teeth back to normal. Grow your hair around. Lose a little bit more weight and I'll give you a job. Well, I did all that and it turns out I went to all Japan in 98. It's just as David Heath and um, when I was on that on that trip, they hired me. Uh, they hired me. WWF hired me. So I, I came home from that All Japan trip. They hired me, and then uh, they told me, "Oh, you may sit home for a year. We don't really have enough for a year." And I was like, "What?" And then I guess they gave Vince Russo creative control for like a month. And Vince Russo calls me up. Like I'm only on the contract for like a week. He calls me up, nigga. Hey, uh, this is Vince Russo. Can, uh, can you still do the vampire thing? I go, uh, yeah. This was a Friday night, and then I debuted on on Sunday on, on the uh, uh, Sunday night heat. <laughs> I ran out the hot topic, went and bought bought a post shirt, blah blah blah. Went back to the lead press on nails for the for, for the first part. Then uh, then I got some uh, uh, costume fangs or whatever uh, along the way, and then then I then I got to what I wear now. I still wear I'm still wearing the same set of fangs from since '98. But well, they're not permanent anymore. <laughs> like a retainer. Who came up with the name Gangrel? Was that WWE's doing, or was that your choice? No, no, no. It was it was Vince McMahon. As much as he probably says it's not him. Uh, he, I gave him a bunch of research on some role playing stuff, this and this and that. And uh, when they decided out of nowhere that they were gonna uh, go ahead and do this character, they, they go, "Well, we need a name." And, uh, apparently, I don't know. I wasn't there. I heard Vince. So I like that name, Gangrel. And uh, then they didn't. Um, do any legal research on it so when i debuted by by, by monday morning they had a hell of a lawsuit on their hands but but now i own I, I own it trademark and registered now so i have all the rights to it all now but it was a hot mess for a while there i, I heard a story about that that it was owned by like white wolf Inker, or it's like it was a video game yeah the role-playing uh rpg um whatever it's called now. so they 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 uh, sued them for like millions and events had to advertise like three years or five years or something. That's why I was always in the magazine, the White Wolf game. Now let's talk about the brood. It was definitely a unique stable at a time when wrestling was becoming more uh, reality-based. How much of your creativity was put into the faction? Well, I always, from the day one when I watched the movie, The Last Boys was always wanting the, the brood. That, that's what, um, that was what the goal was, to, to have a group of cool vampires. I would tell them, um, 
listen, it doesn't matter if you, if you win or lose or whatever. As long as you look cool doing it, people are going to love vampires. Vampires get their ass kicked all the time, which is whether they do it in a cool matter or not. Um, they said, oh, we're going to um, put you with a Christian. It's his brother. It was this faction. So, yeah, I was always pushing for it because I was a giant Three Birds fan. And then from the movie The Lost Boys, I just thought a group, group of young vampires wearing leather jackets and chains looking really cool, uh, hanging out in nightclubs and under piers and doing, you know, all, all this kind of gothic lifestyle thing would be like really, really cool. And I thought it would work. And they, they said, we don't really get what you're talking about. <laughs> they never got what I was talking about with the whole vampire thing. But with the brood thing from the one that I was pushing, I was pushing like a group. I never was just pushing solely for me as a vampire. So it's like 1991. But, um, but then who's Pritchard? Hey, Tom Pritchard. I think they both kind of got it, and Vince Russo said, ah, I, I, we got it, and then boom, they pushed forward, and then they were like, ah. I can remember, like, JR going, I really don't know what people like about this, but they, they seem to like it. it. Let me tell you, dude, it was so cool. Like, being a nine, nine, ten-year-old kid, seeing that entrance, the, your walk, like, the way you walk to your music, like, it was the coolest thing I ever seen. And I just feel like, like you said, like not enough people understood it. Not enough people got what it was. You know, it was cool ass vampire. Like <laughs> vampires are cool. The Lost Boys, man. So uh, Edge and Christian, they were booked to be in it since day one. No, um, no, they, they, there was no, they didn't, they, didn't, they didn't know what to do. Christian wasn't there yet. Uh, Edge was already under contract before I came along. And they had no idea what to do with them. So they thought, oh, well, Edge is, kind of cool looking like a wolf maybe we'll feud them like the vampire thing that's when Russo came up like let's decide to do the vampire stuff so they didn't know what to do but then yeah, I was always pitching the group and then they really just didn't know where to go with this feud and then like they brought Christian in and they saw how people were responding to Edge's brother with me and then one day it was just working Kane and they, they didn't say anything we came in and they go ah oh, we're, we're gonna go ahead to be that group you know <laughs> what's the group called uh the brood I, I didn't come up with the, uh, the name it was like the brood you know uh oh, okay. <laughs> like, and there was never any story behind it, rhyme, reason. Nobody knew why Edge joined us or why <laughs> anything. It was never really explained how the brood came about. I could remember hearing JR saying, uh, I don't know if they were friends in their village, some, some <laughs> you know, like village. <laughs> like, like I said, I dressed Renaissance with a puppy, but I don't want to be a pirate shirt. <laughs> I often feel that, uh, you know, WWE should have and could have done so much more with you guys. I love that the brood was part of the Ministry of Darkness. Like, out of all that talent in the group, the brood made the most sense. But what led to the brood disbanding? Well, if you think about it, the brood run was what, like eight months? It's really short. It seems longer than it was, was like eight months. And I had the same talk with Edge and Christian when I did their podcast. Because they were like, oh, well, I don't know what to end it. Because I remember they put us in the ministry and I said, oh, this isn't good. And they're like, no, no, this is great. I go, no, no, no. They, we were getting over too much. Now they put us in the ministry. They, they tried to contain that. <laughs> and I said, I said, watch. It's not going to go good. And then one night, the ministry would all come out on the stage. We were at the end of the stage, and uh, and if you were booing, and then the boos turned to like brood, 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 brood. And I leaned over the edge. I said, "Ah, we're done in the ministry." Because what are you talking about? Like, oh, we're done. <laughs> like it was like a we got over, bro. <laughs> yeah, it was a week later, two weeks later. They came up and said, "You know, we're gonna split you from the ministry." And when they told us that, I told I remember telling Adam. I said, 
the brute done too. He goes, no, I go, nah, we're done, man. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's done. And then shortly after that, I remember them coming up, you know, Dave, you're really the brute, you know, <laughs> like, because what, what was happening and, and, and explain Adam because uh, edge, he wasn't getting it. As I said, this thing, it was an accidental. It was a perfect storm. It, it just blew up. It was nothing they wanted. It, they didn't choose it. We created it. It's nothing they really wanted, but it just kept painting like a wildfire. It just kept going and going and going. It put it in the ministry. It couldn't consume it. It, it just kind of outshined the ministry in a way, like fan-wise. They, they were just getting behind the ruler. And then I said, they had plans for you. They had plans for Adam. When I came in, they said, hey, we just need you to, because I had been around since 87, trained since 87, and worked in all the other countries. So I knew all the guys from WWF stuff. I knew all the old guys and everything. They all got along with me and, and, and my relationship with Luna. Like, so I knew everybody. So I was always around. And they go, hey, we just need you to, you know, take care of him, get him in there, get him to blend in with everybody. He's, he's We're strapping a rock on him. He's our future. Uh, they knew that all the way back then, that he was the man. So the, the brood was so, so an accidental storm and caught fire, you know, or however you want to look at it was getting over so fast and so strong, it would have consumed him if they didn't end it soon. If you ask him now, anywhere they go, it's the first thing that people ask about, hey, the brood stuff, they still ask about that. Just that little eight-month run, out of that whole time, 20-some years later, people still ask about the brood thing. So if you would have stayed in the brood much longer, if we would have stayed in it much longer, it probably would have consumed his identity where he would have never went on to be the rated R superstar or that, you know. It could have been a good possibility. So... He had to, they had to get him out of there because he was, you know, that was their future. They planned on putting the belt on him. They told me that, that he was the future. <laughs> so I, I, I understood it. So when I saw all the levels going, like, okay, in the ministry, oh, we're out of the ministry. That's when I said, oh, we're done. He goes, no, we're not. And then right. And they said, oh, we're going to split you up. I knew because I knew what their plans were for him. So being around wrestling, not not all, not being a top guy, not being this, but watching Luna through all the years, but wrestling since the, you know, 87, 88, I'd say 88, 89, really was my only job besides a few odds and ends bouncing here and there, like helping my uncle out in between like a Japan tour. So you kind of, you kind of seen it. You, you, you've seen a lot of the angles and you see where things are going and you just kind of see it and you go, ah, there's nothing I can do about this one. But, um, you know, maybe I should have fought more for the my, the gangrel itself to keep it alive. But uh, I was injury bound, had a lot of injuries, and broke my neck, and uh, so you know, it throws a lot of flags up. Living not the greatest lifestyle, with Luna out there rocking and rolling, and, and like living like a rock star. You know, bound to burn out on one one end or the other. You know, so you know, I was my own worst enemy in some ways. But, but the brute thing was it was a. Uh, they had to, they had, it was the only route they could go, or I, I, I truly believe it would have consumed Edge's identity. Oh, well, that's certainly a different way to look at it. I never thought about it that way, had, you know, that maybe Edge's career wouldn't have taken off. You were released by WWE in 2001. What was the reason for your release? I, I broke my neck uh, a week after they gave me clearance to go back to work. They, they just released me. <laughs> I don't know what the reason was. So then, then they hired me back. I didn't even know what year it was. They hired me back again for like almost a year, let me go again, and then hired me back like four months later for the ECW thing, and then let me go again like like six months later. <laughs> you've had a, a few stints in WWE since then, uh, but you've also been working on the independent scene. Well, when when I got released, when I when I broke my neck and and I was out that year, and then when they gave me the clearance to go back, they released me within that month of that year of being released. I went to England and I ended up having like. Uh, 
an 18 uh, year run in the UK. I was going over uh, almost almost six months out of the year, so I kind of disappeared. So I would go over uh, early at uh, September, late September, October, November. I'd come home Christmas and go back late January, say February, March, April, and then come home for the summer and work randomly there. And I did that for almost 18 years, you know. And in WWE, the only time I didn't go and the time got broke up was the two times the, the WWF, WWE hired me back in, in those two times. And um, so I did that. I actually, I think it's my 19th year I just went over there, uh, or 20. I don't know. It's really, uh, like, I, they just did the 50th anniversary. So I just stayed heavy in the uh, UK, Germany scene. And then um, in recently, um, the last few years here, um, uh, was it the, whatever year, what, 2018, 2019? Uh, things were, I, I was slated for 2020, probably to have a better year than I had in uh, WWF. Like, I was like slammed. I was double booked, uh, leaving out on Thursdays, working Friday, Saturday, Sunday, some Thursday nights, coming back in, running my own stuff, running my school uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays, if I was home, if I didn't fly out for a show. And I was pretty much working seven days a week to slate it. And then the, the COVID stuff hit, uh, and then everything came to a screeching halt. And uh, uh, the school, I stayed, I stayed busy at the school because I did private one-on-ones with people. So I would spend almost uh, 14, 15 hours a day at school, uh, bringing one student in at a time uh, through protocol and training on one-on-ones because I have close to 70 active students right now training here at GWA, Florida. So, uh, so, super, so super busy trying to keep everybody in rotation. So. Uh, now the doors are open regular. It's a Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. We do like seven to ten classes now, so everybody's in a location. They're like you know, uh, twenty-five people a class. So it's a little bit easier now, but I'm still spending eight hours a day in school. Like that, like I'm sitting here now. So then now I'm going back to work. The weekends are starting to fill back in. So so it looks like everything gets back on track. Hopefully, twenty twenty-one picks up where twenty nineteen left off to going into twenty twenty. Yeah, hopefully, fingers crossed, man. So like we talked about earlier, you have your school, the Gangrel Wrestling Asylum. Yeah. Uh, what else have you been up to? Um, are there any new business ventures you're involved in? Uh, no. Um, when I was in L.A., I was, did, did, did a few TV shows like Cougar Town and uh, movies, little drop-in spots like Human Centipede 3, stuff like that. But um, right now, I've just been zoomed in the, the school 24-7 and uh, getting back on the road wrestling. Cause we run our run our own shows here at Dania Beach Casino. Uh, and uh, the shows that we have run have all been sellouts uh, right around uh, like under 600 people, 30 something standing around. So it's what the building would hold. So we've been doing really good. We just didn't go to the school. So I, I don't have any time for anything else than wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> I feel you. So let's talk some hard rock and metal. What are, what are some of your favorite bands out there? I like listen to a little bit of everything, but if you want to talk like metal and stuff like that, uh, I don't know if you remember Nasty Savage. Nasty Savage. <laughs> you remember Nasty Savage? He was in wrestling a little bit. Nasty, uh, Nasty Savage, you check him out. They had songs like No Sympathy and Gladiator, uh, Metal Knights. And then there's Megadeth, you know, um, maybe some more. I don't know if you want to call it current, but I mean, I like Judas Priest. I like Judas Priest, uh, Nonpoint, Filter, um, uh, Seven Dust. Stuff like that, but you know, then I like my traditional stuff like Metallica. You know, I don't know if it's traditional words, but uh, Molly Crew, Metallica, Van Halen, which is rock and roll. Some people say Metallica is metal, but it's all rock and roll. 
It is. It is. I mean, I personally, my favorite band is Motley Crue, man. Like, just I've always been, <laughs> I've always been kind of attracted to that. Um, like you say, that fanging and banging lifestyle. You know, that that rock star lifestyle. They watch the movie Dirt, right? And they go, oh, the movie Dirt, right? They go, I said, well, yeah, you watch the movie Dirt, and that was like amplify that times like ten, and then that was the attitude there. <laughs> <laughs> that movie, The Dirt, is actually what um made me start doing this show. Originally, it was called Motley Mondays, and it would just it would just be a, a Monday show, and I would play just strictly '80s glam glam metal and mostly like Motley Crue stuff. And I've always just been like attracted to you know Nikki Six's aura. You know his story really just uh, speaks out to me. Yeah. And um his book, The Heroin Diaries, that was the first book I had read since I was in high school. Like I, I read it in within 24 hours and it just spoke to me, man. And it really makes you think like, I'm so attracted to that rock star lifestyle, but you know, now you know those consequences. Yeah, of that lifestyle. It, 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 it runs hand in hand with pro wrestling, unfortunately. That, that, that movie, you know, the, the, like the very first season when Tommy Lee's like, check this out, and he's going down on the yeah. <laughs> like, You know, I, that was like just a common like, night in a hotel room. I wrote like, I think everybody would have been in, in Cell phones would have been as popular. <laughs> you can't, I think everybody would have been in prison or something. Like the stuff that was going on, I go, somebody would have had to answer for something. <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Man, thank God there was like no social media back then, man. <laughs> uh, you'll see my Polaroid here and there. Like, oh, that's not me. Now, do you have any um, specific songs you listen to when preparing for a match or when you're on the road? Uh, and, you know, Sometimes like, I listen to like Rage Against Machine, Kill It in the Name of, or Bullet in the Head, you know. <laughs> so yeah, like like yeah. So it's not a Rage before I go to the ring. Um, live Wire crew sometimes, Live Wire like that, It'll take you to the top. <laughs> yeah, well, those two are on my playlist, man. And Rage Against the Machine, I'm a graphic designer as well. So a lot of times when I'm like working on graphics, I'll throw on some Rage, man, and it just like gets you in that mood. Yeah, you don't realize it. You're getting in the boom, 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 but then the words you get in your head, and all of a sudden you're like political. <laughs> you know what? Going on with this world. <laughs> you're ready to go out there and make a stand, you know? F the norm, man. <laughs> We're going to be wrapping it up soon, but not before we get to your questions and comments. Our first one here is from Yesenia Nunez, a fan of yours and a supporter of your school. She asks, what motivates you to be focused on a wrestling match? Yesenia, I, I think Yesenia is from uh, Texas, I think. I think I know who she's talking about because she writes every day and the thing. What, what, what motivates me for the match? Yeah. Uh, just the passion uh, of wrestling, you know. So being in WWF, right, and, and working in the big arenas and, and the brood thing, how popular it was, you know. You come out and it, it, you get that, that, that rush. You'd be like crew or something coming out. So every day... You're worried. When, when you go to come out, you're wondering when you're going to come out the silence. When did they forget? When did they not know? So, it, it, you, you know, that adrenaline there, like a borderline sit behind the curtain, it's not, not going to have a bad match for this or that. I love wrestling. So, even if it's a bad match, I'm going to love it. I'm just going to hate myself for it, but, but I'm going to love it. It's, it's a drug I'm addicted to, but it's that, that. Are they gonna react when I walk out of that curtain? It's just, it, 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 it gets to the point where it's gonna be like crickets and nobody knows you anymore. And uh, well, I, I've been so blessed that 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 because um, I think because of the, the uh, network and stuff. Like when I'm in the UK, that 
I'll have like the, the guys will come up to me and go, oh, my daughters love you, they're favorite. I go, they're like they're like eight years old. He goes, oh, the network mate, they love you, <laughs> they love the brood, they love the fire, they're your favorite. They're they're, they're all attitude there. <laughs> so I, I, I'm so blessed with I, that. A lot of wrestlers complain about the network, but I, I love it because it, it keeps me relevant and current, and it educates younger fans and stuff because they go oh this is Edge and then their parents go oh you, you like Edge well let me show you when Edge started like here's the brood you know <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then like oh this guy's got fangs oh <laughs> well we have a loyal listener of Motley Metal and Pipe Bomb Radio from here in New York Mark Braverman and he wants to know do you hate Vince McMahon no no I don't um, he's not my he, he, no he's never done anything bad to me I, I can't look at any business decisions like i said earlier when we were talking if you're listening you'll see that i was probably my own worst enemy in some things you know it's not the only thing he told me was he would never use the vampire character but then yeah they did uh well vince russo split it in there so um no i i don't and i don't think i hate anybody but i don't dislike him so to clarify that i don't hate anyone hate such a strong word but i i don't dislike him either I, i'm fine with him one way or another you know handshake hello down the thing that's all it's all yeah it's all good <laughs> Like I said, I will wrestling everything. Wrestling owes nothing. I say it's my life. <laughs> gonna consume you. Use your body up. Squeeze every ounce out of you. And you know, use to throw you away. But that's just that's just wrestling thing. But it, it saved me. I, I mean, I was in. I grew up in a rough neighborhood, and I was into some bad stuff. And when I found wrestling, it, it took me a different route. It still was around some suspect characters, this and that. But I was all fine. But it, it gave me. It gave me something to do. It gave me something to focus on, and I clawed my way out of there. And then um, I made it. I, you know, I made it. I made it, which is uh, not an easy thing to do. I was very blessed, being in the right place at the right time. You know, a lot of it's just timing, and um, uh, it's really hard work and a lot of timing. You know, I'm, I'm 51, and I still don't know where I'd be. I'm still wrestling. <laughs> we have a comment from Alex Alcazaz, aka the Bear of Texas. He's a uh, my fellow co-host on a podcast we do called Dark Side of the Podcast, and he just wants you to know that he greatly appreciates everything you did and do, and he thinks that you are one of the most underrated talents from the Attitude Era, and that your entrance with the Brood was super unique. Uh, thank you. Thank you very much. And, and you know, I'll tell you what the entrance was attributed after, Kiss. I'm a big Kiss fan, too. <laughs> like, uh, so, like, it's always Vince Russo. So, like, uh, Blood spray. That was my tribute to Gene Simmons, you know, uh, uh, solo and like guys of thunder. Like he would let it, he, the blood would come out as he was strumming, you know. So I, I, I said, "Well, I'll spray it." So that was like my Gene, Sim, uh, Gene Simmons tribute. And then uh, Russo with the, the flames in the stage, he came up with that, and he was a huge Kiss fan. So a lot of that entrance, not the music itself, but the entrance was uh, a, a Kiss uh, tribute to Kiss. I love the music, like that music, like everything about that whole entrance, man. It just clicked. Like, boy, are they from Brooklyn? <laughs> <laughs> when I first seen you grab that goblet, bro, and, and you're, I'm like, is he really drinking blood? Oh my, I'm nine years old thinking this shit's real. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, if you watch the first couple ones, I was like, like making love to it. And they go, hey, you got, you got to stop that. You're just gonna have to, uh, <laughs> figure something else out. <laughs> you were riding. They go, oh, but I'm supposed to enjoy the blood. They go, yeah, well, enjoy it in a different way. <laughs> Jeremy Gomez, he is the owner of Generation Championship Wrestling in Florida. I do a lot of graphic work for him. Um, he would just like to thank you for working the first GCW show at Canifest. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. 
yeah, they're, they're great people, man. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, that. it was outside at like a festival. Yeah, it was really cool. They're all, they're all good dudes, man. It's tremendous. <laughs> yeah, they, he's actually running a nice little promotion. Yeah, they go all over too, man. I think they did some stuff like I don't know. They were going to like Chicago or Detroit. They were all like all over. They they're going to Indiana, I believe, in September. Oh uh, wow! I wish that they they were they were like treated me super great, and they were like yeah, they're good people. Now, Gangrel, it was a pleasure having you on Motley Metal, and I want to thank you for taking the time to speak with me today. Where can my listeners find you on social media? Uh, my Facebook is Gangrel David Heath. Uh, the school itself is gang, uh, GWA Florida, Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum, or GWA Florida on Facebook, or uh, um, on my Instagram, it's also uh, Gangrel David Heath, or uh, well, I think it is, I don't know. Pretty sure it is. But definitely on Facebook as Gangrel David Heath, or you can check the school out at GWAflorida.com. And if you are in the area and would like to become a professional wrestler, check out Gangrel's Wrestling Asylum in Dania Beach, Florida. Again, thank you for being my guest, and I hope we can do it again yeah, sometime. Thank, thank you. And if you want to check out some of the shows we did just, uh, on YouTube, go to uh, GWA Florida, one word, GWA Florida, and you can find all the, all the all our matches and stuff were on our Facebook page, so you can see our products and stuff we're doing. So thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. I appreciate it, man. Keep banging and banging and rocking and rolling.